chapter 13. In this section, chapter 13, this aside recapitulates how the dragon raises up two beasts in order to wage war on humanity. Their goal is to enslave humanity and eradicate the believers. So he raises up two beasts. Now listen, I don't care if you believe that this is some future Antichrist or you're like me, that you believe that it refers to many Antichrists. The ideas and the principles still remain the same. Chapter 13, verse 1. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. It represents chaos. All the Jews who grew up on Daniel 7 immediately is thinking that again. Remember, we have dragon coming up out of the sea. Now we have another beast coming up out of the sea. They are used to seeing four beasts come out of the sea in Daniel 7. It had ten horns and seven heads, and on its horns were ten diadem crowns, and on its heads are blasphemous names. Now the beast that I saw was like a leopard, but its feet were like a bear. Its mouth was like a lion's mouth, and the dragon gave the beast his power, his throne, and his great authority to rule. One of the beast's heads appeared to have been killed or been fatally wounded, but the lethal wound had been healed. And the whole world followed the beast in amazement. And they worshipped the dragon because he had given the ruling authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast too, saying, Who was like the beast and who is able to make war against him? The beast was given a mouth speaking proud words and blasphemies. And he was permitted to exercise his ruling authority for 42 months so that the beast opened his mouth to blaspheme God, to blaspheme both his name and his dwelling place and this is those who dwell in heaven the beast was permitted to wage to go to war against the saints and to conquer them and he was given ruling authority over every tribe people language and nation and all those who live on the earth will worship the beast and everyone whose name was not written in the um, written since the foundation of the world and the book of the life belonging to the lamb who was killed if anyone has an ear he had better listen If anyone is meant for captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed by the sword, then by the sword he must be killed. This requires steadfast endurance and faith from the saints. Who is the beast? Just like the pregnant woman who is not named, nor is the beast. Which implies that this is not a specific individual, but this is a uh, a corporate entity or a, a conglomeration of many different people. This should be seen as a collective. This is already seen in Daniel 7. Now notice that when we're told that the beast is coming out of the sea, every Jew would have automatically begun to think of Daniel 7. And we're told that this beast had seven heads. That's the amount of heads that all four beasts coming out of the sea had. The first beast was a lion representing Babylon, one head. The second beast was a um, hunchback bear, with one head. The third beast was a leopard with four heads. And the last beast was a great and terrible beast with one head. Seven heads. So you have the same total of heads of Daniel 7. And then not only that, we're told that this beast has a part of the lion, a part of the bear, and a part of the leopard, and a part of the great and terrible beast all inside of it. So the fact that it is a conglomeration of all those four beasts suggests that it should be connected to those four beasts. And Daniel 7 is also a repeat, a recapitulation of Daniel 2. In Daniel 2, we see four kingdoms of four medals of a statue. 
In Daniel 7, we see four beasts coming out of the sea. And I made this point earlier that Nebuchadnezzar sees the four kingdoms of the earth as shiny, beautiful, attractive, powerful things. But when God looks at the kingdoms of the world, he sees beastly, animalistic, terrible things that just destroy. We're specifically told that these are the four kingdoms, four empires that are going to rise up. So now that we see a beast here that has a part of all four of those kingdoms and has a head, all the heads of those four kingdoms, then that means that this beast is not a specific individual, but it's a conglomeration of all the kingdoms of the earth. And just like the prophets later, like Zephaniah will make the point that these kingdoms are a typology of all the kingdoms that will come. Basically, God will raise a kingdom up and destroy it, raise it, destroy it, and he'll just keep doing that with Rome and then the Mongols and America and United Nations and da-da-da-da-da-da-da all throughout human history. Most likely, what we're seeing here is that the beast is multiple. Many people say that this is the Antichrist is going to receive a fatal wound and then kind of die, maybe die, maybe not die, and come back to life. I do not believe the Antichrist, if there is an Antichrist, I don't believe anybody is going to have a death and resurrection. The Bible makes it very clear that resurrection is the sign of the Messiah. And I do not, the, only Jesus can conquer the death and the grave. And I do not think any Antichrist is ever going to die and come back to life. Now, some people have tried to work around that like, it's just a wound that he receives, and a lot of people thought he died. And with media, you can make it sound like he dies and then bring him back and say, look, he's alive, which I'm totally willing to admit that because I'm very confident in the lies of the media. Okay? Or some people say that he will die, but then Satan will possess the body and bring it up so like it's a zombie or something like that. Okay, they're not really willing to go that route, but at the same time, I don't know. Um, some people argue that that maybe is why um, Satan was trying to fight for the body of Moses. There's a weird place in Jude where it says that Satan and Michael were fighting for the body of Moses. And Michael took it and then hid it away. Why does Satan want the body so bad? And people are like, oh, so he could possess Moses and make him come. Maybe. I don't know. Who am I to say what the angelic world can do and cannot do? I don't know. But the fact that we're not giving anything clear in the Bible, i just rather say possibly, but I'm not really willing to preach on that and go that route because I don't have enough to say what can and cannot happen. But I really do not believe that there's any way that the Antichrist can die and come back to life because the Bible has made it very clear from the very beginning, starting with Sarah, that resurrection is a sign of the Messiah. And if anything else resurrects in the grave, then the resurrection of Christ means nothing. It literally means nothing for your salvation because even Satan can do it. This has got to be a wound that seems fatal. It could be that that will happen. Some of the preterists believe that this is Nero because Nero was killed and the Roman government literally did that. A poser rose up and took the throne after Nero and pretended to be Nero. And because nobody had like photographs and social media and CNN, all that kind of stuff, not everybody really knew what Nero looked like. And you guys have probably seen the doppelganger things like there's people out there who look really close to each other and they're not even related. Um, and so they actually convinced a lot of people for a while that Nero had come back to life or that he didn't really die. Um, and so that kind of fits with this. But I don't think that works either. I think the fact that, it's, I think what's interesting is only one of the heads receives a fatal wound. And if we see this as four different kingdoms, the conglomeration, and seven heads of all different kingdoms, 
Notice that when we get to the beast in Daniel 4, or Daniel 7, the fourth beast, it has ten horns, which represents ten kingdoms. So even the fourth beast in Daniel doesn't represent just one kingdom. It represents ten additional kingdoms on top of that. If we really see this as a conglomeration, then I think what it means is that every time you try to kill an antichrist-like figure, another one's just going to pop up again in world history. It will never die. It's kind of like Hydra from Marvel movies. You cut off one head and seven more appear. I think that's the idea. Because John, John, in First John chapter 4, verse 3, we're told that the Antichrist is already here in John's time period. Well, that rules out a future thing. But then, in 1 John chapter 2, 18, John says there have been many Antichrists and will be many Antichrists to come, which means there is a future Antichrist. In fact, there's not just a future Antichrist, there's many Antichrists. John makes it very clear that there are many Antichrists throughout human history. And there, there will be again and again and again and again. And no matter how many of you kill or how many lose their power, another one will just pop up again. And if you really think about it, why, wouldn't, why would Satan only have one Antichrist? Why wouldn't he just fill all of history with Antichrist? And we've seen this. So the question is, what is an Antichrist? When we think of Antichrist, we think of like, maybe like two superheroes, a villain and a good guy fighting against each other. I'm anti-you. But when you read the description of the Bible's Antichrist, an Antichrist, according to John, chapter 2, verse 22, in 2 John 1, 7, an Antichrist is anyone who denies the humanity or the deity of Jesus. It denies that Jesus is Christ, God, and it, or it denies that Jesus is human in the flesh, human. And it denies that Jesus is the only way. But as you read on, you will find out that what clearly distinguishes an Antichrist, because then that means like your next door neighbor is an Antichrist, right? What really makes him an Antichrist is anybody who stands in the place of Christ and says, I will save you. Follow me. I will deliver you. I will save you. So according to that definition, Hitler, who says, I will save Europe, and I will create a living room, living space for all of you. That's an antichrist. I will bring in my religion. He was an occultist who, who joined with the Catholic Church and started his own thing. The Oprah, who literally says that Christ came to teach you that you are all Christ. And if you don't know Oprah said this and you don't believe me, I will email you the YouTube clips. Okay, I have them. And if they're not there anymore, I downloaded them. To preserve them, okay? Where she will literally say that Christ came to teach you that you are Christ as well. And when you look into yourself, you find that you are a God and you achieve what's called Christ consciousness when you invoke your own Godhood. And then I have another clip of this woman. This is the, one of the saddest things I've ever seen. Of a woman who is sitting in the audience after Oprah has given all these teachings on how we're all Christ. And this woman says, I used to believe that Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for my sins. And only through the blood of Christ and only by accepting him can I be saved. But thanks to you, Oprah, I now believe that I am Christ and that I am a God and I can save myself. And Oprah says, yes, you've got it. See, isn't that freeing? That's an antichrist. 
And an antichrist can be anything from a social media image like Oprah to a political leader like Hitler to the media itself. Anybody who says, I will save you, I will bring you hope, follow me, and I'll create a utopian society for you or anything greater, and we can do this on our own without God. That's an antichrist. And if you really realize that, there have been many antichrists. Everything from political leaders like Hitler down to um, media images, all the way to literal false teachers like Jim Jones and David Koresh and all that kind of stuff. And what Paul's making, or John's making the point is that there have been many. And no matter how many times they die, Jim Jones and David Koresh and Hitler and, and all this stuff, another one just keeps popping up. Another one keeps popping up until chapter 17 and 19 when God brings an end to Babylon and the beast. And I think that's the point here, is the lethal wound. Now, could there be one day a big and ultimate antichrist that has more power? Yeah, I'm totally willing to admit that. If there have been many, and there are many to come, then yes, there's going to be another one. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that. What I, the main reason I don't really believe in one global antichrist one day who has a one-world government, one-world religion, is I don't think any human can pull that off. I mean, I mean I, this is not a theological revelation stance against it. The Democrats don't even like each other and can get even along with each other. The Republicans don't even like each other and can get along with each other. How in the world is the entire world going to be united under one guy? And the, the religions don't even get along with each other. I just, I'm sorry, but I have such absolute hopelessness in humanity that I don't think that that could ever happen. So this isn't a theological belief. This is the absolute stubborn stupidity and the unwillingness to cooperate belief of why I don't think there's going to be a world antichrist. So, um, And Satan's been trying very hard to unite the world and he hasn't succeeded. So that's my personal belief. It's not theological. It's just I don't really think humans are that great. And their ability to pull off unity. And so people begin to worship him. What then is the Antichrist? The Antichrist is government. It's any government or king. Any government or king that has power, that rules over. He begin, people begin to worship him. We saw this. Nazi Germany, people have sold themselves out to the government, right? Um, we, we've seen this all throughout human history where people are always turning to the government and worshiping and following it or turning to idols and worshiping and following. And no matter what it does to people, you see this. We see this now. Um, well, I'm not going to go into that. So <laughs> everyone whose name is not written. So that brings us to verse 11. Verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up from the earth. Later, when we get deeper into Revelation, this is going to also be called the false prophet. A prophet is anyone who speaks the will of God, Yahweh, a godly prophet, or the will of the pagan gods to the people. It's the one who makes the will of God or the gods known to the people. <clears throat> then I saw another beast or prophet coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but was speaking like a dragon. Now this is interesting because this one comes out of the land. This is the first time in the Bible we see anything evil and anti-God coming up out of the land. And I think the idea here is that in God created the Garden of Eden and placed humans in the land, and the land was good and it provided life, but then our sin made the land go bad. 
thorns and thistles and to death you will return, or the soil will return in death. And every time God has given Israel or people the land to bless them, they keep perverting it and tainting it and defiling it till eventually that they're kicked out of the land. And I think the idea is that we have had so much time as humans that we have now even corrupted the land. And the land is even corrupted. And so now the land is producing this vile evil so that nowhere, where, no matter where you go is chaos. And remember we talked about this through the prophets so the sea no longer just represents chaos and an abstract disembodied thing. By the time we get to the prophets, the sea is also humanity. So when the four beasts in Daniel 7 rise up out of the sea, their kingdom's rising up out of humanity. This is what we produce because we're a chaos. We lift these leaders into power. We enthrone them and give them this stuff. And when we see the sea before the throne of God, it's the humanity that is between us and God. And so the idea here is that humanity is now become perverted self. And even in Daniel 7, it says the beasts come out of the sea, but it says that the kings over these, of these beasts came from the earth in Daniel 7. And so the idea is that even though God is protecting us from the sea, we are giving ourselves over to the sea and allowing even the land to be overtaken and cursed. And so... The beast is what the dragon produces. The second beast, the false prophet, is what we produce. It's when we begin to worship the beast and we begin to align with it, then we create our own version of it. So God created a version of himself, for lack of a better phrase, when he created us as the image of God. Now Satan has created a version of himself and corrupt evil governments. And when we buy, our, buy into those governments and follow them, then we begin to recapitulate and spew the lives of the government and start creating our own institutions that mirror the lives of Satan, our own industries, our organizations. And so I think the idea here is that this is what we create. Satan raises the beast up out of the sea, but we raise up the beast out of our own territory the second beast. And that's the idea here. And then he looks like the lamb. Now, in the Hebrew or the Greek here, it's a ram because lambs don't have horns. Remember, lamb is the umbrella term and the ew, E-W-E, um, is the female version and the ram is the male version. Just like the bull is the male and the cow is the female. The ram is the male and the ew is the female. And so they both are lambs. If this is a horned lamb, then this is a male lamb. Just like Jesus was a horned lamb, which means Jesus was a ram. But yet, he, So the idea is this beast, we're creating our own Jesus Christ. And that's what we do, right? David Koresh claimed to be Christ. Even Hitler claimed to be that. Um, Muhammad claimed to be the second coming of Jesus Christ and the first coming of Jesus Christ. There are many people who have risen up and claimed to be Christ. We, we model institutions, so many religions. We even create figures. Have you ever seen The Matrix? Um, Neo in The Matrix looks like a Christ, but he's a Gnostic Christ, a false Christ. Um, we have so many movies where there's these Christ-like images where they die and come back together again, but they never die for humanity. They always die for more power. If you ever notice that, we mirror the Christ. 
of being a great teacher, leading people along, having disciples. They die and come back to life in movies and stories, but they always die and come back for their own power and their own knowledge and their own godhood. Only Jesus died for you. Only Jesus died to redeem you. And so Satan can never mirror the Messiah completely because if he mirrors the Messiah completely, then it's the Messiah and it leads people to God. He will always counterfeit it, but he always has to change the most important things so that you're off track from the Messiah. And so we create our own messianic story, but it's always an aberration. And so it looks like a lamb, but it talked like the dragon. It looks like Jesus looked followers and death and resurrection. I actually know people are like, the matrix is all about Jesus. No, no, no. Because it speaks like a dragon. The message is the message of a dragon. Don't get caught up in parallels. Pay attention to the message. Pay attention to the message. I don't care what images they use. I don't care what they look like. I don't care how they tell their stories. I don't care how close to the Bible it is. Pay attention to the message or the philosophical idea that is being communicated in the movie or the media or the song or something like that. That's what lets you know whether this is really a dragon. He exercised all ruling authority of the first beast on his behalf, and he made the earth and all those inhabited worship the first beast. So his job is to keep pointing everyone to the beast. He performed um, momentous signs and making fire come down from heaven in front of the people. Even the demons have the power to do things. And I don't think that should bother anybody um, because humans have the power to do things. We created AI. We've cloned a sheep. It only lasted for a day before it died. We split split an atom and blew up two entire cities with nuclear bombs, right? We have the power to do pretty amazing things. If we as humans, why not the spiritual realm too? And the plagues make it very clear the magicians have power, but their power was so significantly finite and limited compared to God's. You're not dethroning or devaluing God by allowing people to have power. Only when you lift their power up as equal to God does that threaten him. He had power. He was able to do amazing things. And the signs he permitted to perform on behalf of the beast. He deceived those who live on the earth, and he told those who live on the earth to make an image of the beast who were to be wounded by the sword but still live. The second beast was empowered to give life to the image of the first beast so he could speak and could cause all those who did not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He also called everyone small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to obtain the mark on their right hand, on their forehead, and thus no one was allowed to buy or sell things unless he bore the mark of the beast. That is the name of the number. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has insight calculate the beast's number, for it is the man's number. The number is 666. This beast, here's what I think it is. It's an anti-trinity. The dragon is the father, the beast is the son, and the second beast is the Holy Spirit. The dragon creates the beast and gives it the power to be a Messiah or Christ to the people. It's Messiah's false, and everybody worships him and follows him. He even has a death and resurrection kind of a thing. And no matter how many times you kill the beast, it keeps coming back. And then the second beast keeps pointing you towards this messianic figure and proclaiming his message. And then he even creates an image and gives it life. 
I don't think he's really going to give life. But I think the idea is that he's going to create images, things, and animate them to wow the people. Like, I don't know, the media, TV, AI technology. What do we do? This is exactly what you're seeing. We turn around and we look at the dragon. And we're like, ooh, that's cool. And the dragon has given us all these institutions and governments that look really amazing who say, I will make your life better. I will cure you of all these diseases, big pharma. I will make your life easier and your work easier and make you more relaxed and comfortable. Smart homes and technology and social media and all this kind of stuff, all this stuff. It promises you all the things. And then what do we do? We create these things. We create images. We create things in our own image. AI is in our own image. Social media is in our own image. Computers in our own images. All this stuff. And what do all these images do? Do they bring us better life? More fulfillment and happiness and joy? No. Anxiety, depression, suicide is rising even more quickly. The more technology we have, the more isolated we become, the more depressed we become, and the more suicidal we become. There's a direct link. Everybody, every, the, the Surgeon General in March or May, I think it was, just released a very scathing health warning on social media and found it had zero benefit for teenagers and people in their 20s and early 30s and basically said, we don't know about adults, but probably not that either. Okay? They have literally attached probes to people. And then when they are doing social media, they have found that their anxiety levels and depression actually skyrocket. Even when they're smiling and laughing, anxiety and depression goes higher and higher as they're longer and longer. And I can go on and on about social media. There are so many things you have no idea that's going on with social media. The way that it's designed, all that kind of stuff. Commercials. I got a great, um, there's a, a, a documentary called um, The Century of, Century of Self. And it's all about how commercials were designed by Freudian um, stuff to keep you hooked. There's a PBS documentary called The Pretenders where the commercial people literally went out and interviewed cult leaders and said, how do you brainwash people and get them to follow you? And then they implemented all those techniques into commercials and social media and apps on phones and all that kind of stuff. What do we do? You have the government who says, I'll save you. The media comes along and says, I'll point you towards the government. And then we turn around and we give life to these images, these technologies, and say, it will save us. Behold the wonder of the 21st century. And I think this is the idea. In the ancient world, the first beast is the king and the government, and the second beast is the priesthood. And today, the first beast is the government, and the second beast is media, celebrities, musicians. And if you don't really understand that, go watch my occult in the media um, thing, where I actually take you through movies and TV shows and music videos and show you. And just go watch the Grammy or the MTV Awards ceremony this year, and you will see absolute, don't actually watch it, but you will see absolute occult Satanism in a way that you never, ever imagined you would see in America. Okay, and it's blatantly obvious now. And I think the idea that you say, oh, but that's new. No, 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 no. Remember the idols and all that stuff in the ancient world? And we even sacrificed the babies and the children to those idols in the ancient world. And today we sacrifice our babies. Michelle Williams was an actress, and when she got the Grammy Award, she, or um, the Academy, whatever one it was, Academy, she held it up and said, I would like to thank my abortion for this. 
because without it, I would have never been able to get this award and be the actress that I am. That's a child's sacrifice to a God. Now, don't get me wrong. I know the vast majority of women are, are, are depressed, they're cornered, they feel desperate and lost and all that kind of stuff. And, and my heart goes out to them. And most of them say that they would not have an abortion if it wasn't for somebody pressuring them. I'm not, but when I'm, I'm not talking about the women who are getting abortions out there. I'm talking about the media and the government who are saying, go woman. It's your power and your right. I'm not, this isn't criticism against women who've gotten abortion. This is not me saying these are women exercising their power. Listen to the commercials on issue one right now. It's like, you're taking away my right. It's strong feminism. I'm all for feminism, but not like this. It's the media, it's the woman, one of the leaders of abortion has a heart sign that she holds up and has a shirt that says, I had an abortion. The media's message is, go woman, do it. You have power, and that's satanic. They're completely out of touch with us, and they're completely out of touch with the average day woman who's struggling with the abortion. And so this is the idea that all they want you to do is to sacrifice your family and your life and your children to the beast and the second beast. And maybe one day will there be a big beast and a big second beast? Maybe. But they're here right now. And they're definitely at work. And I think that we've spent so long looking for a future Antichrist that we've missed many of the Antichrists right here in our face. And I'm not saying everybody who's been looking for a future one missed the one here. Because I know many of them do know about the future one and the ones here. But what I am saying, I think many of us just thought, oh, that's not till the future. No, no, no. It's right now. Could there be a bigger one coming one day? Yes. But it's right now. Now, the mark of the beast is 666. Now, we can go on and on of all the possibilities on this one. It's credit cards. It's, it's barcodes, all that kind of stuff. It's on your foreheads and arms and that kind of stuff. And we'll talk about this, and then we'll wrap it up. The preterist says this is gematria. Gematria is coded letters and messages. In the ancient world, they would sign letters with numbers. So the equivalent of the American alphabet, um, well, the, the R alphabet, would be A would be 1, B would be 2, C would be 3, and etc. And so each letter has a numerical value. You see this with Roman numerals. The letters are actually numbers, but they're also letters. They have a letter in the word, but they also have a numerical value. And so what you would do is you could take the letters of a word and you can add them all up and you get a big number. This is called gematria. And you can hide things in the word. You see this even with the genealogy of Jesus and Luke, where there are 14 names between um, David or um, Abraham and David, 14 names between David and the exile, and 14 names between the exile and Jesus and the genealogy, because the number of David is 14. And so the Bible is doing this. So many people have said, this is Nero, because Nero's name adds up to 6666. There's a problem with this. Well, there's lots of problems. Um, first, this 666 of Nero's name is the Hebrew transliteration of the Greek form of the Latin name. It's not the Latin spelling of Nero. It's not even the Greek spelling. It's the Hebrew transliteration of the Greek of the Latin name. In fact, what it's saying is like they had to work really hard to get it to be Nero. Oh, 
It's either Nero or Domitian. You actually can make Domitian, which is a way longer spelling, 666, if you go to an alternate spelling of Domitian, da-da-da-da-da-da. In fact, there's actually graffiti. And the one of the most famous graffiti they found from the ancient world, the time of the Roman Empire, it says, I love her whose name is 545. Which means is, I'm not brave enough to say her name out loud, but I want to proclaim it, so her name is 545. It's a very famous graffiti in archaeology. You can work at this. The problem is you can't go back. There's no way. You can go from a name to a number, but you can never go from a number to a name. The reason is there's so many names that can add up, right? There's so many letters that you can get, like you can add the third level of the alphabet twice, okay, or multiple times, like all this stuff. So you can never go backwards. So when you try to say, hey, We'll take 666 and get the name of the Antichrist. You can't do it. I can make anybody's name in this room be 666. Because especially in the day before the printing press, nobody spelled their, spelled their name the same way all the time. It's not until you were forced to pick a spelling and write it down in a birth certificate and print it out that you say, this is how my name's spelled. But right, even on birth certificates, how many of you go by William or Thomas or that kind of stuff, right? If I tried hard enough, I could take your name and do the shortened version. Well, let's just do Thomas. Well, that doesn't work, so let's do Bill. Let's do William. Let's do whatever, right? Oh, let's go into the Greek version of that. Let's go into the Latin version of that. Let's, like, do an alternate spelling, right? I can get anybody's name, 666. If you give me 10 minutes, I could probably get your name to be 666 if I try hard enough. The problem is to really say that this is a specific person is really hard. And to say, oh, yeah, but it's still going to be a specific person... I still don't believe that because if the number is supposed to point you to a specific person, but the number could point you to anybody almost, then everybody's an antichrist. And then we're just canceling people left and right, and that's not healthy. I don't think that's the idea. But also what's interesting is it does not say this is the mark of the beast. It says it's the mark of man. The number of the beast is the mark of man. The beast's number is not his number given to humans on their forehead. It's the number that humans already have that the beast takes, which means the beast is the ultimate human perversion. We are 666 as humans when we're opposed to God. And the beast just comes up and becomes the best of all of us in our sinfulness and our antichrist. We are not given the mark of the beast. The beast is given the mark of humans. And I think that's very important for you to understand. It says it right here. So, what is this? 777 is the mark of God. 3 is the number of redemption. 7 is the number of completion. In the ancient world, 6 is one less than 7, which means 6 is incompletion. So 666 is an incomplete redemption. What is the mark of man? It's man standing up and saying, I will save you where I can save myself. And it always falls short. Anybody who stands up and says, I can save myself, 666. Anybody who stands up and says, I can save you, follow me, 666. In fact, the talents of gold of Solomon came out to be 666 because he believed his money would save him. It's the only other time that we see 666 in the Bible. Solomon made himself the most powerful man in the entire world. 
He worshipped all the idols and the gods around him. And he went after power and money and sex. And the total of his income was 666. And that's what the mark of human is. Whenever humans turn away from God and go after their own idols, either the ones that they create, money, sex, and power, or themselves, or somebody else that says, I will save you, that's the mark of humans. And that's the mark that the beast is given. The beast is what we create. The beast is what we follow. The beast is the one that says, I will save you. But it always falls short and fails miserably. Now, why in the foreign hands? This is an anti-Shema. The greatest verse in the Bible, the Jews, was the Shema. Shema is the Hebrew word that means hear. And the great Shema starts in Deuteronomy 6.4. And it says, hear, O Israel. The word hear means listen and respond by doing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall have no other gods before me. You shall bind this to your foreheads, your forearms, and your doorposts. You shall teach this to your children when you wake up, when you walk, when you eat, and when you lie down. The idea is you're to take the truth that there is only one God and bind it to every part of your life. Bind it to your thinking. Bind it to your works. Bind it to your home. Teach it all the time to your children. Make it a part of your life. And if you literally want to bind it to your bodies in your house, then go do it if that helps you remember who God is. And so now the Antichrist comes along and says, I'm going to bind my Shema to you. I am the beast and worship me and I will make you great again and I will heal you and I will bring utopian society and I will save you. As every demon that has ever appeared to any human has said, there is no God that's judging you in the afterlife. There is no judgment for your sin. You're all a God to yourselves and everybody goes to an afterlife paradise. Every demonic visitation has said that to humans. And even aliens say that when they visit people. If you believe in aliens, their message is always that. I find that very interesting. And I think this is what it is. The media says, follow us and we will save you. Bind it. Here are posters of our musicians that you can hang on their walls. You can put their music and their lyrics in your head so that you think like them. You can watch the television and consume this stuff all the time so it becomes a part of you. You can even tattoo your body with it. Bind all these truths that we will save you and God will not to your entire life. It's the anti-Shema. And so I don't think, and one day will they say you can't do this? You can't go to work if you don't obey the government and do what we tell you to do. We will cancel you. We will freeze your banking accounts. We will take away your PayPal. This is already happening, especially in Canada. You want to talk about an antichrist? I don't mean to step on any toes, and I know we're getting really political, but let's just look at Justin Trudeau, okay? Okay, he is, we are not that far behind him. Many people in our government think Justin Trudeau is doing an awesome job. Go look at what Canada is happening in Canada. He has literally frozen people's checking accounts because they don't, he, they, they stand against the government, all these kind of things. Socialism is taking over. Socialism, most people in college think socialism is the way to go. It's the best form of government. This is the great Shema of the Antichrist. Okay? And I think the idea here is this is the beast. Is every government that has ever risen up and say, follow me, worship me, I will save you. The second beat is every media, priests, 
that has ever come and regulated your worship towards the government. Pay attention to music and movies and media. They're all pointing you in devotion and absolute worship of the government and obedience of it. And I don't care. Fox or CNN, they're all pointing you that way. They're all pointing you that way. And then the mark is, the image is everything that we create and say, ooh, I love the beast. I want to create my own version of it and animate it in my life with AI and movies and TV and pictures and art and all that kind of stuff. And then we're consuming the world and becoming like it. And all of a sudden we're saying, I can save myself or I'm going to worship them and follow them. Look at Beatlemania. Okay, right? All these different examples throughout human history. And I think, yes, maybe there could be an ultimate version of this one day. But ultimately it's saying we have seen this over and over and over again. And we're going to continue to see it. And if you don't see it right now, you're going to miss it when it comes ultimately. I really truly believe that. If there is an ultimate Antichrist coming one day, if you're not seeing it right now, you're not going to see it when it comes. Because you're already going to be part of the system. And when he creeps up on you, he's just going to come out of the system that you're already a part of. And you have to see the system for what it is now if you're going to recognize any Antichrist. And this is why God says, let him who has wisdom figure out the number. It doesn't say let him who has knowledge and mathematical skills calculate it and figure it out. It says, let him who has wisdom. Whether there's a literal seven-year tribulation happening or not, there's definitely some form of a tribulation happening right now. And Satan might have some ultimate thing one day, but he's done a pretty good job of creating it right now too. Let him who has wisdom see it.